three chapters, it seems, and uh, we are not, uh, it's just something that we don't uh, really deal with in our own context. Yet, obviously, it was a significant problem for the Corinthian church. And I want to mention, remind you of why it was a significant problem. It was a significant problem because if you look at the situation of the Corinthian church, what you see in the Corinthian church and in their situation uh, was this. These Corinthians had an issue. And their issue was that sitting atop the hill, there was the temple to Aphrodite, the goddess of love. And in that temple, there were all kinds of meals eaten and meat offered to the goddess Aphrodite. But in addition to that, there were all of these things that were associated with it, which included lewd sexual acts in that temple. And so uh, the issue was that when you came to Christ as a Corinthian uh, and you decided not to go to the temple, which is where all the parties took place, birthday parties, family reunions, get-togethers, it was the restaurant of the day, you decidedly set yourself apart as different and uh, distinct from everybody around you. You were no longer a Corinthian by the uh, standards of Corinthians. You had now become uh, different. So how different should you be is the question. What is it you can and cannot do? And so here's what we discover today. We discover what some of you will not like. All right, I'm just going to tell you straight up, you won't like it. Why? Because you're black and white people. You live in a world that has no gray. Everything with you is black or white. There is no gray in between. And in this passage today, Paul introduces gray. He says in the last chapter, remember from last week, absolutely not ever eat meat offered to idols in the temple. If you do, you're dating demons. You're dancing with the demons. You put your soul and yourself in harm's way. You prop open the door for Satan to kick it down, come in and wreak havoc in your life. But that very same meat that is offered in that temple is sold in the market and then some people could invite you over for dinner and serve it. What happens when that happens? That's what he addresses in this section. So absolutely not, cannot, better not, never ever eat it in the temple. You're dancing with demons. But what if you go into the market and there it hangs and you want some of that, whatever meat it may be, and it has been offered to an idol. You see, the Jews were accustomed to going up to that meat market and saying, has this meat been offered to an idol? And then they would direct them to the kosher meat to buy. So should these Corinthians do the same thing if the meat is in the market or if they're at uh, dinner with a friend? Uh, where might this uh, line up with us today? I'm going to kind of weave through the message one arena that is incredibly divisive among churches, among families, between parents and children at times. It is powerful. It is called music. Music. 
If there has ever been a dividing line, if there's ever been a question about where is black and white and where is the gray that comes in between, it's in the arena of music. Is it possible that there are styles of music that are fine in some contexts and not fine in others? So I'm going to hone in. I'm going to hone in beyond just music and let's talk about rap music. All right? Some of you enjoy rap music. You like it. You like the sound of it. You like the the words uh, of, of the songs that you may listen to. Others of you say, hands down, no way, not ever, black and white issue, rap music is a sin, period. So is it that simple to take that position on rap music? Are there gray areas where it is concerned? If you are a parent, you must address this with your kids because they have so much access to so much music. So if you're a parent, you must address this. I recall I grew up super, super strict as some of you did. And honestly, it is no lie. In my house, I had to sneak to listen to 106.9. I'm not lying to you. It was not allowed. In my house, the only thing we could listen to was Gaither-style gospel. That was it. And there were certain parts of it that weren't acceptable. It was a very narrow line drawn. I remember... I remember I, when I bought my 1979 Plymouth Horizon two-tone gray on gray four-door hatchback. Sweet car, all right? I remember when I bought that with my own money, got my own money out of the bank, bought that, and I remember getting in my car and the newfound freedom of my own radio station. Nobody's in the car telling me what to turn it to. I'm turning over and I lie you not, rebel that I was, I would drive around and listen to Chuck Swindoll. <laughs> I would. I would. We weren't allowed. He didn't use the King James. That's a whole other topic we won't get into today. But he didn't use it. We weren't allowed to listen to it. And so I would drive around honestly and just listen. Even as a college student at Wofford in Spartanburg, if my soul started getting dry, I'd go jump in my Plymouth Horizon, turn it on to 106.9, ride around those little uh, backwoods roads in Spartanburg and listen to Chuck Swindoll. I love to hear that man preach. It made sense to me. I wanted all I could get. And that was being somewhat rebellious. So where is the line drawn when it comes to music? I remember my first listen to anything that wasn't Christian. We didn't listen to country. We didn't listen to rock. And we didn't hang out with people who did. And so I didn't, I never listened to anything. And so I remember my first my first non-Christian cassette tape. I'm old. All right, so my first non-Christian cassette tape was, I'm going to love you forever and ever, right? Randy Travis. All right, so I'm, I'm, he was young then. And so I'm listening to Randy Travis going down the road thinking, look what you're doing, <laughs> you know? felt so like free at that moment to listen to Randy Travis, you know? 
Um, what is it? How do we draw the line? When is it right and when is it wrong? That's what Paul is dealing with here, and it raises important questions for us. All things are lawful for me, he says, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. He's quoting, if you look in your Bible, you'll see quotes around that phrase, all things are lawful. Evidently, that's a Corinthian phrase. All things, are, they have this newfound freedom in Christ. I can do and fill in the blank. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. What uh, Paul is talking about is not necessarily that the lawful things aren't helpful for the person doing them. He's saying the lawful things aren't helpful for the person watching the person doing them. The things may not be helpful for the person who is with the person. They may not build the other person up. How do you? We know, verse 24, let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Wow. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. So then he addresses the topic at hand. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. Paul is saying that meat that is strictly forbidden in the temple is okay in the meat market. You can walk into the meat market, uh, buy it, take it home, and cook it. There's nothing wrong with it. There's the, the, just because it's been offered to an idol, it did nothing to the meat. Don't be spooked by it. Uh, don't give in to superstitious beliefs that say, well, it was offered in the meat in the temple and thereby it's contaminated. No. As a matter of fact, to make his point clear, verse 26, he says, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. What he says in verse 26 is he quotes Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness of, uh, and everything in it. The world and all who live in it, for he founded it upon the seas. He established it upon the waters. And then the psalmist goes on to say, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who doesn't lift his soul up to an idol or swear by what is false. The parallels are phenomenal with what's going on in Corinth. But beyond the parallel with what's going on in Corinth, there's something else that is at work. And here's what's at work. That prayer became the blessing for all Jews. Rabbis taught them when you sit down to eat, pray, well, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And when you pray that you're saying, who gave you that meat? God. The earth is his and everything in it is his. And the food on my table is a gift from him. It's the blessing. You're saying the blessing. And Paul goes to the Old Testament, invokes the rabbinic blessing on food and say, hey, go into the market, buy that meat, go home, cook it, and you can pray a blessing over it and God will bless it. Why? God provided it. Though it went through the channels of uh, idol worship, it's still God's when it comes out on the other end. God is greater than any idol. Amen? Amen. God is greater than any other God with a little g. The, nothing wrong with this food. This is a black and white issue. You 
can eat it. You can buy it. So we have a prohibition, not at all in the temple. We have a permission, absolutely, in the marketplace. What is his point? Here it is. Do everything for the good of others and the glory of God. That's his bottom line. Do everything you do for the good of others and the glory of God. Now, implied in that statement is this. If you do what you do for the good of others, it will, by extension, glorify God every time. If you do what you do for the good of others, it will always glorify God. If you do what you do to glorify God, it will always be for the good of others every time. Don't miss that. Do what you do for the good of others and the glory of God. And every time, if you do it for the good of others, it will ultimately glorify God. And if you do it to glorify God, it will ultimately be for the good of people around you. Those two concepts will never conflict. Never will. They are mutually inclusive, not exclusive. So... He says, you can bless that food. But verse 27, a new scenario. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. All right, eat it. They invite you and you go, eat. You don't have to ask, has this been offered to idols? And if they say yes, well, do you have some chicken? You know, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. But, verse 28, if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it. What? He says, if somebody says to you, it has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it. For the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience. Verse 29, first part, I do not mean your conscience, but his. Here is where we get into gray area. What's the gray area? Here it is. What he is saying is, me in the temple? Absolutely not. Me in the market? Absolutely yes. But if an unbeliever invites you to his house and he cooks a meal and nothing is said, eat it. But if that unbeliever, knowing you're a believer, looks at you and says, now I want to warn you, This has been offered to idols. He says, pull back. Why? Here's why. There is something in that unbeliever that causes him or her to think that the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian is that a, a Christian would never eat that meat. So if you decide to eat it, What happens in that unbeliever's mind? Wow, when I eat this, I'm thinking this has something special in it because it's offered to a little God. Do they think that too? Is that what they're thinking? And when you do it, all of a sudden you mess with the unbeliever's conscience and you throw them off. So let's talk about music for a minute. 
When is music absolutely prohibited? What kind of music should you never, ever, must you never, ever listen to? One word, content. Content. What do the lyrics say? That's the rule. Every time, be it country, be it R&B, hip-hop, rock, whatever it may be, anything sexual, anything that goes against authority, anything that has to do with demeaning other people, absolutely prohibited every single time. Students, look at me. All over the room, look at me. Every single time. Don't buy the lie. I'm not listening to the words. Every single time. If the content is explicit, if the content is uh, demeaning, it is ungodly, it is sin, it is wrong, it is never right. Amen, church? Amen, parents. And students, listen to me. Your parents have every right, every right to look in any device you have because most likely they bought it. They have every right to look at that device, know what songs are on there, know what songs you can or cannot have, do their homework and say, get rid of it. That's their job. So when they do that and they make you angry, they're doing that for your good and the glory of God. And we say, go God, go parents. Amen? Amen. Parents have got to be parents today. Parents have every right to do that. All right. So we said we'd hone in on rap music. I started, I should have done this because I have a son who likes rap. All right. And he likes Lecrae. And Lecrae is a Christian rap artist. And uh, I think he's, I don't see him out here. I think he's working in the nursery this morning. Um, He does that every week. That's one of his ministries. But um, so when we get in my Jeep, he puts it on. And we go down the road. And for some reason, it finally set in to where that I woke up this morning with it going through my head. It's bad. Like going through my head, even now while I'm saying this, it's like, I'm turned, I'm turned, I'm turned, I'm turned. And I'm like, what? That's not even how you spell turned. T-U-R-N-T. All right, so I'm turned, I'm turned, I'm turned. And I'm like, oh, why do I have this in my head? Why is it in there? So we'd be going down the road and he thinks my Jeep has a little bass and he'll mess with the bass thing and turn it up, turn it over. And we sound like thugs going down the road. It's like boom, 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 you know? And so he thinks it's cool to turn into school with that on. Like we're the cool Jeep or something and we'll turn in and that's rolling. But that's what he likes now. There are some who say that is a sin, no matter what, it's rap music, it cannot be redeemed, it is a sin, no matter what. I think it fits into this passage. I think it clearly fits here. It's content. What 
does the song say? I, I just don't happen to think that the devil owns any genre of music. I don't think it belongs to him. I just don't think that. And so, there is such a thing as Christian rap. And it isn't of the devil. And some of you disagree with me even as I say that. Now, I don't have time to get in it today. But these great hymns that we love to sing... All of the ones that Martin Luther wrote were based on bar tunes in his day. Just go to your music history. The tunes of these songs that you think just so lift you up and the music so just, you just elevates you and you feel so good about it. Well, if you had been in his day, you would have. I mean, it was the bar tunes of the day. And guess what? Most Southern gospel is country music with good words. It is. It's country music with good words. That's Southern gospel. That's what it is. It's if you take it and you take the music of, of, of uh, you take country music and just the music, not the words, and you take just the music of Southern gospel, it's country music with Southern gospel. It came about during the revivalist period uh, that that was developed. All right, so if I'm pulling into school and we're listening to Lecrae and there's a kid over there who could easily assume that it isn't Lecrae and the kid says to his friend, is that that pastor listening to that? According to what Paul says, immediately what I am doing is not for the good of that kid. Turn the radio down. Hold back. That may be just for Trent and me to enjoy in the Jeep ourselves. One thing, three ways. A definite no, a definite yes, and a maybe. What is the underlying principle? Do everything you do for the good of others and the glory of God. Everything. Do everything you do for the good of others or glory of God. Verse 31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. God's glory is his heaviness. That's what the word means in Hebrew. It means heavy. It's his heaviness. For example, if we say this week, what is the glory of the warriors? It's a, it's a, it's a title. What is the glory of Stephen Curry? The ability to shoot fast three-pointers. What is the glory of LeBron James? Triple-doubles. Uh, if we say, what is the glory of Billy Graham other than God? Uh, thousands of people who've come to Christ 
under his ministry. The glory of somebody is the highest defining element of who they are. And so the glory of God, I don't have time to get into it this morning, but it's in Isaiah 6 when Isaiah says, in the year that King, maybe I do have time, that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. Go do a study of every time in scripture somebody sees God. They never describe him. They only describe what's around him. Isaiah could not see God. He only saw the train of his robe filling the temple. If you read Isaiah chapter 5, you'll discover five woes that Isaiah pronounces in chapter 5. Five different woes to all of Israel. But as soon as he sees God in all of his glory and the seraphim, which have three wings on either side, one covering their eyes because they can't look at God in his glory, two covering their feet because that's disrespectful to be uh, feet uncovered in the glory of God and two are flying around. And they're saying one word again and again and again. They say it three times, which is emphasis because there's no superlative in the Hebrew. You can't say holiest. You just got to say a word again and again and again. And so they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And when they say that, Isaiah, who had been saying, woe to you and woe to you and woe to you, all of a sudden changes. And what does he say? Woe is who? Me. There's something about encountering the glory of God that all of a sudden you don't see anybody else's sins. You don't point anybody, your fingers at it. Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the glory, the, the, the King, the Lord of hosts. That's what he says. That's the glory of God. When you do something for his glory, you do it for his highest attribute, which is his holiness, his highest attribute. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Here's the test. Please hear me. And this is a real test, teenagers, especially college students, especially, here's a test. If God would date that girl, you probably should. If he wouldn't, you shouldn't. If God would go out with that guy, good call. If not, not a good call, period. Oh, but I want him to change. Come on, you kidding me? If God would listen to your music, listen away. If he won't, trash it. If God will read the book you're reading, keep reading. If he won't, Get rid of it. That's doing everything, whether you eat or drink, to the glory of God. If God would put that post on Facebook, post away. If he wouldn't, keep it to yourself. Make sense? That's the test. Do everything you do, whether you eat or whether you drink, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or Greeks or to the church of God. Don't go around offending people. The Jews, the Greeks, they're lost. The church of God is saved. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that many may be saved. Paul says, I want people to be saved. And if that means that, uh, you know, my rap stays in the Jeep, my rap stays in the Jeep. If it means I, I don't uh, do this, then I don't do that. Why? 
Because do everything you do for the good of others and the glory of God. Everything. What would the world look like if we did this? Could you imagine if we truly lived this out? Less finger pointing, right? More embracing. Less self-centeredness. More, more, how can I serve you? Less selfishness. More otherness. What might the world look like? If this is how we truly lived, how do you do it? 11.1, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. The title of the sermon is How Long Is Your Shadow? It's Father's Day. 